the second you go with how are you, you just gave up control of the entire conversation because you have no idea what the hell they're going to respond with. It could just be like, I'm fine. Okay, and then you could keep going. Or they could go off on some wild-ass tangent and, <laughs> and tell you about how they, like, chased a frog into a, a sewer drain and then they met, you know, Donald Trump in the sewer. Like, they'll tell you some wild story. Like, you just lost the whole conversation. The way that you answer that call, that first opening line of your script is setting the tone for who controls that conversation. So as soon as you go to the, how are you? You just gave up all the control. Welcome to the Whistle Way podcast. My name is Kyle Whistle, your host with Whistle Realty Group and EXP Realty in San Diego. I have a special guest today. This is Rachel. I am the inside sales manager here at Whistle Realty, and I'm super excited to chat with you guys. Yeah, Brian is out shooting uh, some photos and videos today on a uh, new $3.5 million listing that we got. So while he is out in the field shooting some killer stuff, I wanted to just bring one of the team members on to share a little bit about their roles and today it is rachel who is doing a freaking kick-ass job running the isa department here at whistle we have how many isas right now we're at four right now at four and i we're hiring a, a couple more yes at least uh, for sure <laughs> three to four <laughs> we may be up to like 10 isas before you That's know it, so the goal. we're gonna have a lot of fun isa conversations today hopefully you guys get a lot of value out of the show if you do if you are listening on a podcast platform really appreciate it. if you could hook us up with a review on there if you're watching on youtube make sure to hit that thumbs up button let the uh, youtube algorithm know you're enjoying it um, also hit the subscribe button and the little notification bell to get notified of future episodes of the show uh, typically, we like to answer the questions that you have for us on this show. You can always ask us questions by going to thewhistleway.com. You can ask questions on there, subscribe to the podcast, YouTube channel, uh, join our referral network, our newsletter, and find out about upcoming events like our Media Mayor Mastermind, which is a digital course that teaches you everything. Uh, Brian and I have learned about cranking out videos over the last six years um, for a very, very reasonable price. And we also give you uh, multiple video topics every single month that you can go shoot in your local market. So always go to thewhistleway.com for that. With that said, let's, let's dive in a little bit, Rachel. Talk about your role specifically on the team. Absolutely. So my role has evolved quite a bit over time. Um, uh, I started as just a regular ISA and has kind of morphed into more of a managerial position. Um, but really what I do is I help our ISA succeed. Um, so what that looks like is I help uh, troubleshoot, help with objection handling, script practice. Uh, we look at what we're doing well, what we could do better, and I help them be the best versions of themselves to help our clients uh, get what they're looking for. So it looks like a little bit of me being in production and a little bit of me also facilitating and coaching with the others on my team. What did you do before this? So before this, uh, I was actually an elementary school teacher. So it was a big career change for me. And then were you licensed when you joined with us or did you get licensed after you joined? I was licensed when I joined. You yep. just joined. Okay. Got it. And why did you join and want a role like this? I love helping people. I love, you know, interacting with others and doing the teaching role, but you know, little kids definitely take a toll on you. Not sure if any listeners have any, but <laughs> yes, uh, managing you know, this gray hair, yeah, <laughs> exactly. this receding hairline. <laughs> Get to you. Yeah. So managing 30 kids, love kids, but I knew I couldn't do it for a career. So was looking for a change um, while I was younger and uh, found real estate, thought it was an awesome opportunity and um, found the best team ever. So I'm stoked to be here. Sweet. What grade were you teaching? 
I did kinder, first, second, and fifth. Oh my gosh. Yeah, my daughter's going into kindergarten next month. I could not imagine having like 10 or 20 of those things running around. Yeah, kinder was a year that I considered drinking a lot. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how Lots of stress. How there are people who enjoy that. Yeah, well, no stress in real estate is anything compared to stress of a teacher, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, and now you make a tiny bit more money. I do, just a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't suck. Awesome. Well, talk a little bit about some of the things that you do like on a day-to-day basis. Absolutely. I think some of the most important things that I do as well as our team does is we want to make sure we start the day off in a good state of mind. So we always share one thing that we're grateful for and our one goal for the day as a team to just get us started on a positive note, um, kind of catch up and get us pumped up for the day to do some phone calls. Um, and then we're going to go through our, you know, our CRM and we're going to look for the highest and best use of our time for opportunities for clients who are looking for help. And we're going to service them, call them, text them, email them and uh, get them what they need. Yeah. And so if you're listening or watching today and you're wondering, like, well, what is an ISA? This is one of the most valuable roles in the real estate space. If you guys are paying attention to what the big boys like Realtor and, and Zillow are doing is they learned pretty quickly that agents suck at lead follow-up. They learned it very quickly. I know at an event I went to, Zillow mentioned um, when they brought on their own ISAs that agents were paying anywhere from like, I don't know, 20 to $200 a lead at the time. And now it's probably significantly higher than that. But agents are paying hundreds of dollars for these leads, thousands of dollars per month. And Zillow gives them these leads. And then somewhere around half of those leads never got a freaking phone call from the agent. Like the agent's paying money for the lead and then doing absolutely nothing with it, which is just mind boggling. The problem for Zillow is that when that person inquired about 123 Main Street, they expected a callback. They didn't get it. But when they didn't get the callback, they weren't mad at Bob Smith from Acme Realty that didn't call them back. They were mad at Zillow. They're like, well, I filled out a form on Zillow and nobody ever called me back. They also found that most people thought Zillow was going to be the one calling them back. They didn't pay any attention to whose name was over on the side of the screen. So it was creating a really bad consumer experience. And Zillow was like, all right, we should bring this in-house. We'll take care of the, the follow-up until the person is ready if the person's ready further down the funnel and we give it to the agent the agent's going to be happier and we'll just live transfer it so that we don't have to worry about whether or not the agent's going to call that person back and now they're having great success with it and they're slowly but surely eliminating any lead distribution to the agents and they're just having everything run through their isa department and handing them off so if you see that the big boys are doing that something you might want to consider in your business because done this for almost 20 years now and I see the same thing internally despite all the training in the world all the motivation in the world the agents are just not good at long-term follow-up your best bet is they'll make that first call maybe a second call and then they just fade off into space and never to be heard from again Um, when you actually bring in a dedicated team or dedicated division in your company now you have this team who's solely focused on that long-term follow-up and let your agents work on the stuff that's short term because agents are great in the short term. They're terrible in the long term. So talk about like what makes a good ISA because like you mentioned, you're looking to hire multiple ISAs right now to grow the department. We have four now. We're looking to hire another two or three, four, ten, whatever. Um, so what are you looking for? Like what now that you've been in this role for long enough, you're coming up on two years. What makes a good ISA? 
I think there's a big misconception about the term inside sales where people think, oh, that's just people who are hammering you know, on the phones, calling, using cold script, whoever will pick up is great. Um, really what we're looking for is somebody who's more like a consultant. So we're looking for people with emotional intelligence who can carry a conversation, ask the right questions, be that sense of security for the clients so they know that they're coming to somebody who's listening to them, who's going to help them in their next stage, whether that's helping them find a lender or helping them improve their credit score or whether that's they're ready to meet with an agent for a listing or a buyer's consultation. So I'm looking for people who have excellent active listening skills, people who are listening to respond, or no, excuse me, who are not listening to respond, but listening to really understand. Um, I'd say first and foremost, that's the most important thing. And then um, looking for people who enjoy collaboration. As ISAs, we don't work alone. We we rely on the agents. The agents rely on us. So people who are skilled at being collaborative, who can work well with a team and who like that team environment. I love that. Yeah, one of the things you'll find a lot is people, they're in a conversation and they'll ask a question and the person's responding and, and they're listening to the question, but while they're listening or they're listening to the response, but while they're listening to the response, they already are queuing up the next yeah, question in their head exactly. before they finish listening to what was just said. And therefore that's that active listening thing that you're talking about. Cause sometimes the, the more strong salespeople who are tend to be the people who are naturally attracted to an inside sales role are actually the worst salespeople because they are salespeople and they're trying to sell people all the time as opposed to just listening and understanding and helping people. Um, and that's one of the things I've seen you coming from like a teacher background um, and caring for little kids. Like you have to care. And if you don't care, it's pretty obvious. Tom Ferry refers to it as commission breath. <laughs> it's like one of the worst things in the world. People could smell that commission breath through the phone. Absolutely. Right. When like you're trying to have a conversation and they could tell you're not listening. They could tell you're just trying to close a deal and nobody wants to feel like they're on the other end of a closed deal. Right. They're just another number. Yeah, so that that's awesome. That's that's really good feedback. What are some other traits that um, that you either feel you have or, or your more successful ISAs have had? I think being able to zoom in and out of perspectives for what you're doing. So knowing your value in the role, knowing your value in the company, what you're doing, how it helps you, how it helps others, and being able to look at it from all perspectives. Since we're involved in the transaction, you know, at varying levels, clients will come into the funnel anywhere between, you know, years out or they're maybe hot and ready to go right now, knowing that, you know, either way, whether they're ready to go or whether they have a 200 credit score, we're going to be able to help everybody and the money and the, um, the money's coming regardless. So not to look at it, you know, with a short-sighted view that either way, if you're giving good service, you're following up, you're listening and you're helping them out, that you're going to be successful. Have you ever had somebody 10 plus years out? Somebody said that they were eight and a half years out a couple weeks ago, and we were laughing about it. Why eight and a half years? That eight was their and a half. answer. Yeah. It's, <laughs> so it's, you never know. Hey, I mean, they're doing their research. They are. They're right? prepping. Where they're in the four quadrant, they're in the research phase. <laughs> Very much right? so for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, one of the things I think people would be interested to learn is that of the communication you guys have, what percentage is text versus email versus call? I would say for us, um, we do a lot of texting initially. So our drips that go out, we have a lot of automated texting to help get our clients in because you know there's only so many of us and we have a lot of leads. Um, so initially, most of our first attempts are through text messages as they'll respond then. And from there, we try to get them on the phone since that's the most effective. 
Um, but I would say as far as setting our appointments, we're still about 80% setting those via phone call, 20% over text, but the intermittent communication is text heavy for sure. Do you know how many texts you guys are sending in a month, either individually or as a department? It's in I'm the curious. high hundreds, I believe. I haven't yeah. checked in a couple, in a while, but that's a metric to look at for sure. It's definitely yeah. in, I would say, over 500. A day? Or mm, how oh, often? For we, it's over 500 a week, I would say. Over 500 a week, okay. Yeah, the, the thing to know is that people are more willing to respond to text, especially during work, right? Like you can't always take a call uh, during work, but studies show that the majority of the searching happens from 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. Like that's when people are doing the searching, which is then you're like, oh, this person just searched. I'm going to call them, but they can't take the call. They could search while they're at work. They could probably text while they're at work but they can't take the phone call. So they get that all the time. That's exactly what happens. Hey, yeah. they won't answer the call. Hey, sorry, I'm working right now. What's up? Or they'll, yeah. they'll text. So that's a big shift that we've seen. For sure. But then you can use the text to set up the phone call because if you just keep hammering, like back in the day, and I've even had a, a talk I did on this, but call until they buy or die. Now it does incorporate texting, but if you're just calling and all you do is call people 10 times and they don't answer, you just discard them. Like they probably were at work every time you called and couldn't answer. If you would have just sent one text, you could have actually gotten somewhere with that person. But if you just hammered them with phone calls, that just doesn't work. And I mean, I don't like it. Like I'm getting work done on my house right now. I love the companies that will respond to me via text that I could schedule everything. When I'm when I need to meet somebody at the house, cool, then I'll meet somebody at the house and we can have that conversation. But like, I know what I want. I need a freaking generator at my house. Like, when can you get somebody in my house? Like period, just get them there and I'm good. And then I'll talk to somebody and then you can try to sell me and, and that's fine. Sure. But if somebody keeps calling me, like this one company called me over and over and, and I'm responding via text, and this is a really important note, side note, but you should not have a phone number that you either dial out from or that you have on a single piece of marketing that cannot be texted. I'm gonna say that again, you should not have a phone number that you dial out from or that is on a piece of marketing that cannot be texted. Because you know what happens when these people call me is they call and I shoot a message tied up in a meeting, text me if you can. And I get nothing back. And then they call again the next day, tied up in a meeting, text me if you can. I get nothing. After that happens two or three times, I'm just blocking the freaking number because I don't know who it is. I don't recognize that number. If they would have received my text and responded to my text, we could have gotten into conversation and I would have set up an appointment. But I don't recognize your number. I'm not going to answer it because that's where most people's brains at. But if they then received a text message, now you could have that conversation and you could see that up for a phone call. Right. And it goes back to servicing the clients. If that's if clients want to text us, why would we then call them? We're going to do what's comfortable for them. And that's how we get some of our successes from getting on their level. If they email us and they don't want a phone call and they're responsive that way, we're not going to text them. We'll keep emailing them. So why put that friction between you and the consumer? You all know you have that one relative. that You like <laughs> text them a yes or no question and then they call you every time. It's just like, hey, what time are you going to be over? Ring, ring. Hey, we're going to be over about six. Okay, anything else? No, I just wanted to let you know. You couldn't have just responded with that <laughs> shit in a text? Like, what the hell, right? Like, we all have that relative. Like, if somebody starts the conversation via text, you should probably respond via text. If they start it via a call, you should probably respond via call. Like, pretty simple, guys. Like, just meet somebody where they're at and then get them to where you want them to go. But meet them where they're at initially, and then you can take control of that from there. 
Um, so one of the things I wanted to do is make sure to share some of the things that are working really well for you guys, whether it be scripts or processes. So um, I know Brian kind of queued you up for some of this, so I'd love to hear what you got for us today. Absolutely. So we have a couple tips and tricks um, that we teach new agents, and this is applicable to agents, ISAs, I think anybody um, who's doing any sort of phone sales or using the phone. Um, so we'll go, I'll run through a couple of them. So I think the first and foremost is come from familiarity. If their name is John, uh, hey, hey, is this John? We do not wanna, we wanna assume their name, we wanna assume rapport. Hey John, this is Rachel at Whistle Realty, I saw you were looking at some properties, et cetera. So we wanna keep that tone friendly. Um, avoid how are you, that's a killer. If you don't know the person, they don't, it's weird for me to ask you how you're doing. You wouldn't yeah. say that to a stranger at the grocery store. And what I'll say there, I just gave one of our agents feedback on this today is, the second you go with how are you, you just gave up control of the entire conversation because you have no idea what the hell they're going to respond with. It could just be like, I'm fine. Okay, and then you could keep going. Or they could go off on some wild-ass tangent and, <laughs> and tell you about how they like chased a frog into a, a sewer drain and then they met you know, Donald Trump in the sewer. Like They'll tell you some wild story. Like You just lost the whole conversation. Right. The way that you answer that call, that first opening line of your script is setting the tone for who controls that conversation. So as soon as you go to the, how are you, you just gave up all the control. Right, and it's your first impression, you can't get it back. So if they if you're immediately now being kind of the beta in this situation, you're not the expert anymore. Yeah. Um, another thing I think that's a big one is cling to anything that's exciting. If people tell you, oh, I'm just moving here because I got a new job or my wife's pregnant or literally anything, they're starting school, we tend to brush past that, okay, great, so when are you, and just move to the timeline. Like, why are we doing that? If a complete stranger wants to tell you something cool that's happening in their life, we should celebrate. That's an easy way to build rapport, and so often we're just like, oh, okay, just another data point. Like, sit back and celebrate with them. No need to rush the conversation. Um, you, that's the easiest way to build rapport, and I feel like as salespeople so often, it's like, build rapport, what do we do, what do we say? So often people will give it to you on their own, and we just don't take the shot. So if they bring anything up, oh my gosh, that's so great. When, are, when is your wife due? Like, just go on with it as far as they'll let you take it and you have immediate rapport. Yeah, I mean, if they gave you the information, like run with it, right? They, Absolutely. They opened that up. And the, the most powerful question is tell me more. Like if somebody says, oh yeah, we're moving here from you know Michigan. Oh, it's cool, tell me more. What brings you guys here? Oh, tell me more, tell me more. Tell me more is like the most powerful phrase in sales. We say it as a joke in our department because so often, oh, tell me more, we'll say it to each other because it's so true and that's one of the ones that, did you see my notes, Kyle? No. Where are you looking? <laughs> <laughs> but but I, you're gonna hit the good stuff, so. Absolutely. Uh, the other one I hear the agents grip a lot is when somebody says like, oh, this is gonna be our first home and the agent's like, oh, okay, great. Where do you guys wanna be? Like, do you realize like how much courage it took that person to like actually pick up the phone and call a realtor? Like I was listening to one this morning and it was like you could tell the the husband and the wife were on the phone together and they were giggling and, and the agent's like, oh, okay, great. So where do you want to buy? Like, do you, they're buying their first home. Like throw them a fucking parade at that point. Like they're so excited. Like it took a lot of nerves to like get on that phone and talk to a realtor. Like that's a big deal. Like throw them a freaking phone parade. Like make it a huge deal. Oh my gosh, that is so exciting. I can only imagine how excited you guys are like, Make that a big deal to them because it is. It truly is. Like, And if you've never bought a home before, you don't know this, but it's a big freaking deal for anybody. I just bought a home. I bought a ton of homes. It was a huge deal having done it you know, for a hundred times. Like, it's a big deal for everybody. So like, make it a big deal. Don't just like, oh, okay, great. First home, cool. Got it. Noted. Right. Check the fucking box. Like, it's a big deal. 
Yeah, and embrace that. And people will either be really excited or really nervous, to your point, and let them know, hey, nobody teaches you this stuff in school. That's why we need to meet. Like, make them feel comfortable because with the nerves comes excitement. And if you're not there to hold your, your their hand, you're not going to make a good impression on them. For sure. Cool. What else you got? Or did I steal all of them? Oh, I got a long list. <laughs> but I don't know if we'll have time for more. We got a, we got a little <laughs> bit more time. Um, I think another really important thing is to, um, if something seems off, lean in and acknowledge it. So many times people will say something weird on the phone or something where they maybe counter what they just said with something different where you're like, wait, they just said this, but that doesn't make sense. Lean into that rather than just brushing past it and not being comfortable. Say, you know, hey, you said X. I thought you meant it. Can you tell me more? What, is that, what does that mean to you? Like we don't lean in as salespeople when things are uncomfortable and then we're left off the call thinking, hmm, why did that feel weird? Why wasn't that sticky? Like I'm not sure what's going on. Like just acknowledge it and you'll get so much further. Usually they'll give you their full objection, more of the story, or they'll tell you the truth and it builds to better rapport and then you know how to help them. So that's a big one that I see newer agents or newer ISAs not do because they don't want the discomfort or they don't want to seem combative, but yeah. with the right tone and questions, you can ask more and figure out what they actually mean. So we, we got to wrap here in a minute, but the last one I want you to hit on is the most uncomfortable one, which is the hard pause. Yes. Talk to me about the hard pause. Well, Kyle, <laughs> the hard pause. <laughs> no. The hard pause is everything. I think that's, I'm glad you asked. So when people say something or you need to have a point that you emphasize, uh, a hard pause is the money maker. It is the magic trick because nobody wants to lose and nobody wants to feel that uncomfortable silence. And so they'll be the first one to talk and they will, they will word vomit everything that you're looking for. If you're just willing to pause after asking that right question. And literally what I tell people is, tap your hand on the table for at least eight seconds if you feel like you need to talk and you'll become more and more comfortable with the hard pause. Yeah, there's so many times you don't want that awkwardness, but you actually need it. Yeah. And so you are waiting for them to respond and they don't respond after a second and then you start like rambling on more and you feel like you need to talk more. But remember like you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Listen twice as much as you talk. Let them talk because if you let them talk more, you win. Although they feel like they won because they talked more. Right. So the more listening you do, the less talking you do, the more you're going to win these conversations. So that was some really, really awesome stuff. Hopefully you guys got a lot of value out of that today. If you did, really appreciate it. If you are watching on YouTube, hit the thumbs up button. The YouTube algorithm loves that. And hit the subscribe button along with the little bell to get notified of future episodes of the show. Um, and if you are listening on a podcast platform, make sure to hook us up with a review on there. Um, we're going to dive into our widget of the week, which is a little something we use in our business that saves us time, makes us more money, or helps us have more fun. But before we do, if you have a question you want to have answered on a future episode of the show, you can always go to thewhistleway.com, ask questions, subscribe to the podcast, YouTube channel, join the referral network, uh, our newsletter, and find out about our upcoming events. So with that said, what's your widget this week? While I look mine up because I don't have one ready. <laughs> I do. So I've got you. I'll go first. So mine is sleepy time. It's S-L-E-E-P-Y-T-I dot M-E. Um, and it's a bedtime calculator. So you can use it two different ways. If you're going to bed now, you can calculate when you'll wake up to see different times you can wake up to see when you've had a full sleep cycle. So that way you don't end up feeling groggy. Or you can put in the time you want to go to bed and it will give you different times to wake up to ensure that you wake up feeling healthy and refreshed. So super helpful for those nights where you know that you're going to bed late, but you still want to feel refreshed. You can literally hack your sleep so you sleep on a REM cycle and feel great the next day. 
like that. Uh, the one that I want to share is one that was introduced to me not too long ago, and I was kind of confused why people were using this thing, but it's just a really quick way to send video messages back and forth, and it's Marco Polo. Um, this app's really cool to be on with your friends, or a lot of people use it with clients, but it's a quick and easy way to video message back and forth with each other. The benefit of it is that you just literally tap the button, send your message as soon as you're done, it automatically shoots it over to the other person and it makes it just a quick, easy way. So if you're out in the field, you're driving, you just wanna bounce messages back and forth really quick, it doesn't require you to like load up your texting, then go hit the little button that then pulls up the camera and then you have to switch it over to video. Like there's a lot of steps that are involved with that. Then after you record the video, you have to send it and then it's like if you're on Android and they're on iPhone, then it you know down samples it and all of that stuff. So Marco Polo is a good way to just keep high quality video uh, messaging back and forth like texting. Uh, but it's cross-platform, and so it works really well, especially if you have friends who are on a different platform than you are. So Marco Polo. With that said, guys, I hope you got a lot of value out of the show today. If you did, make sure to tell some friends about the show. We'd love to expand our audience and share with more people. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Whistle Way Podcast. Wait, wait. Before you leave, I want to share some more tips and tricks that we're using in our business to take it to that next level. Just click right here. And don't forget to subscribe. Click right here.